The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Now the thing about time is that time isn't really real. It's just your point of view. How does it feel for you? Einstein said he could never understand it all. Planets are spinning through space. Smile upon your face. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of Sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love ride. Welcome to turning hard times into good times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome, I am your host, Jay Taylor, and uh, very thankful to have you with us uh, to for the second show in the new year of turning hard times into good times. I would like to, uh, just to remind you before I forget, that you can download these, uh, these shows as a podcast uh, via iTunes. Uh, I want to thank each of you for listening to this show. Our numbers have been growing each month. Very gratifying to know there are people out there finding the content of this show useful to them, and uh, we hope uh, help helping them make some money along the way as well. I want to thank each of our sponsors uh, for making this show financially possible. Uh, those sponsors are Sand Gold, Hawthorne Gold, Magellan Minerals, Timmins Gold, International Wayside, Crocodile Gold Corp, Metanor Resources, Riverside Resources, Western Pacific Resources, Pediment Gold, Silvercrest Mines, and Resource Consultants. Resource Consultants is the only non-gold mining company on that list. They are uh, it's headed up by Pat by my good friend uh, Pat, who was on last week, and he, um, uh, his company is a broker-dealer uh, for, for gold and silver um, products. So I am also the editor of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. It is doing quite well. Our model portfolio so far this year is up 9.53%, led by junior gold mining shares. Uh, they are up 15.52% so far this year. 
the seniors are not doing quite as well. They're up 7.88%. Uranium stocks are still doing very well for us, up 10% so far in this new year. Uh, so we are off to a good start this year. We racked up a 79% gain last year. Where I did make some mistakes last year was being a little bit too bearish, too fearful of the next down leg. I still am very fearful of another downturn. Um, but more often than not, we can look back with 2020 vision and second-guess ourselves. We don't usually have that lecture, do we? We have to go with what we know today. So where are we going to head in, in 2010? Where um, Are we going to see this this market tip over into a deflationary implosion, as I've been fearing all along, or could it go in the other direction, or might we have the best of all worlds, and and maybe the policymakers who are pulling all the strings will actually get it right, and we'll live ha happily ever after. Well, for some ideas on that, we are going to talk to uh, to John Hathaway, who's our main guest today. But before we get to John, we're also going to talk to John Mark Stoudy, um, John Mark Stoudy, who heads up. Uh, who heads up Riverside Resources, will be with us in the second segment of this show. Chen Lin will be joining us in the third segment. In the, in the second hour of today's show, um, or towards the end of the first hour, we're going to have John Hathaway as a special guest. He'll be continuing on into the second part of the show. Uh, and then we're going to talk to Roger Wiegand and uh, Gary uh, Freeman of Pediment will be with us in the last segment. But before we get on with the show, I want to also introduce to you Joe, Joe Martin, who heads up the Cambridge House uh, Conference Group, and uh, I've been very privileged to know Joe for a number of years. Joe Martin uh, has a next, his next show, the Cambridge House Show, is coming up in Vancouver in just another week, actually. I'm, I have to look at the calendar and because I know I'm going there, and uh, um, it almost seems like it's come up on me so quickly. But Joe Martin is, I think, one of the luckiest guys alive because he lives in the most beautiful city in North America, I think, and that's Vancouver. He's also been a very successful businessman with his Cambridge House organization and, and many other endeavors over his lifetime. And, um, Joe, welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Great to be with you today, Jay. Well, thank you. Is the sun shining in Vancouver today? Actually, no, but I will tell you, we were watching the news last night, so it's not raining here, which is always good on the wet coast, as we sometimes call the west coast, but in uh, Fahrenheit, uh, we were running 55 degrees Fahrenheit yesterday. Oh, man, I'm telling you, Joe, I was up in uh, Val d'Or in Quebec, and we were minus 22 this morning when I got up, so what a difference. A the other well, side a great of the spot continent. to be if you like gold. I love Valdor in the summertime. <laughs> <laughs> well, the gold is there in the summer and the winter, and you can't wait to the summer to get it out because that's the opportunity cost of making money. Speaking of gold mining companies, um, this is a, a major focus of the Cambridge House, or I should say, I guess, the Cambridge House provides these shows, uh, provide, provides an, an opportunity for investors to learn to know about companies that are at your shows. Could you tell us a little bit about well, how this one is shaping up in Vancouver and you know, what are you seeing uh, in terms of the, market, the markets these days in terms uh, uh, by judging by the kind of companies that are coming to exhibit at your show? Okay, Jay, generally speaking, the way I, I like to define our business first in a manner that many people understand it better than just saying we do mineral exploration investment mm -hmm. conferences. Uh, my background is magazine publishing, and I treat the conferences as a living magazine. So you have listeners who are listening to you today. They uh, read your newsletter on a monthly basis. But my gosh, they can come to our Vancouver conference and they can actually meet you and talk to you. Mm -hmm. So that's a living magazine. And the attendees would be my circulation, uh, people like yourself, our, our contributors, our editors. 
And, of course, we make our ad revenue, our, our income stream comes from exhibitors in the junior market business who uh, are always looking for funds and exhibit as part of their investor relations program. So it's very much just what I call a living magazine. Uh, well, a, I was just going to say it's a living magazine also, Joe, and not only that they can see me and other newsletter writers, but they can meet the companies face-to-face as well. Well, that's important because I always, Jay, I think you preach it too, you can look at all the fundamentals if there aren't very many in exploration companies, but uh, you can look at all your due diligence things, but it always, in my opinion, boils down to, as I call it, the jockey, who is running the company. Mm-hmm. Because good Amen people to that. will get good management, will find good properties, and will be able to raise money. Mm-hmm. And I often think if you're investing in these juniors, it's really neat to stare the guy in the face and the eyes and see whether you believe him. And that's, that's very important, I think, for yes. reasons for attending. Uh, what we're seeing, Jay, is uh, after coming through the 2009 period, which our business actually slumped 55% from 2008, uh, we're seeing it climbing back about 30, 30, 40% uh, this weekend on Sunday. I'm not sure whether you're speaking Sunday or Monday or probably both days. Yeah, I think um, both days. Mm-hmm. We will be kicking off with about, uh, I just see the notes here this morning, we're jammed into convention space with 265 exhibitors. We have about, I think we'll have about 8,000 people showing up. And they're coming out because of the the commodity markets. We used to call ourselves very much a gold show, but over the years it's changed. We, re, we call ourselves now more mineral exploration conferences. And why Vancouver is important is that about 60% of all mineral exploration in the world is done by Canadian companies. And about two-thirds of those are the juniors that are headquartered in Vancouver. They trade in the Toronto Stock Exchange for the most part, but that's uh, primarily because the Toronto Stock Exchange bought out the old Vancouver Stock Exchange. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing like a junior to chase what's hot. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll recall you've, you've written up several uranium companies. I remember buying uranium stocks, and there's only three or four in the business. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we're up to 100. Um, the last go-arounds would be, oh, two or three years ago, the came out of the woodworks were potash companies. Uh, then we've gone through, and we still are going through, a real demand for lithium. And I call them the yums because um, I think the biggest thing affecting our industry right now is the movement by politicians around the world to go to a green economy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people aren't aware what that means to commodities. But um, I was just reading the other day that it takes 22 more pounds of copper to go into an electric car than a conventional car. Wow. And, and you take all these yums, as I call them. Uh, oh, I was talking to one gold company out of Valdor, actually, and they've got a trillium, I believe it is, which is associated with uh, gold. And by golly, they've got a major company who wants to buy all their production of trillium because it's used in solar panels. Oh, we're finding all these rare earths, and it's mm-hmm. up until now, rare earths have only been coming out of China, and China put its moratorium on export. So there's a real pent-up demand for companies. So Vancouver Juniors are out countries around the world looking for rare earth and uh, other commodities, which I say are, I think, got a healthy, healthy future ahead of them because of this move to the green economy. That's very interesting, Joe. I think uh, the thing about the juniors is they're able to change, as you alluded to. They can 
they can change very rapidly into you know to fit the market demands whereas big larger companies have more you know more it's more difficult to turn things around and to make adjustments and how are things shaping up for your Vancouver show i know you've got the olympics up there and that vancouver is going to be one crowded city i'm sure more olympics. than ever but how are the demand is very strong i understand yeah we're not able to use the major convention centers being used as the media center for the for the olympics Mm-hmm. So we've had to move into two downtown hotels, which has restricted our size. But um, we've got a big waiting list for companies wanting to get into that. So there's going to be a lot of information. We're running, oh boy, about I think three speaker halls and a bunch of workshop rooms. And, mm-hmm. um, we've got people out in the streets directing people to make sure they get to the right hotel to uh, listen to the speakers they want. It'll be a lot of information, and we. The Vancouver Show is the world's largest mineral exploration conference, so it's uh, it's always a big one for us. Mm-hmm. And you have one coming up in Phoenix as well. I think that's that's one probably a lot of Americans can go to that might not make it all the way up to Vancouver. What could you tell us a little bit about that? When is that one going on, Joe? And uh, you know how can also how can people in general learn to know more about the Cambridge House? Sure. Uh, the Phoenix Conference, Jay, is in February fourth and fifth. We mm-hmm. inadvertently, being silly Canadians, forgot to consider the Super Bowl, so we, <laughs> on the Super Bowl days, so we rapidly changed that. But uh, Phoenix is uh, it's both a major mining exploration conference and a silver summit. So we've got just about everybody who's got anything to do with silver in the U.S. coming out, and I'm sure you've had many of them speak for you, but Ted Butler, David Morgan, Jason Hommel, mm-hmm. um, a lot of silver companies exhibiting. And on the gold side, we've got... Uh, Again, a lot of the speakers that you uh, you have on your yourself and Roger and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Frank Holmes is going to be down there with U.S. Global. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, held at the Marriott Renaissance Hotel. Um, here's another chap we're bringing into Phoenix is Mark Leibovit, who's your mm-hmm. number one market timer in the U.S. Mm-hmm. An introduction that you gave me uh, a few years ago was to Peter Schiff, mm-hmm. and Peter has a major office in the Phoenix area, so they're going to be taking a big part of the conference. Oh, good. Um, a lot of exciting. How are? Yeah, that show has really grown the last year or two, hasn't? I mean, you, this is you only put this is the third year, I think you put yeah, it on. It, it, it We won't say we won't say how much it grew in two thousand and nine. No, two thousand and nine was right in the heart of the downfall. But our uh, our sales are up about oh, about three hundred percent for the good. February four and five. And it's an easy one to drive to. We've got a, it's a major uh, intersection right by the Glendale Ice Rink and the football stadium, and there's a little sort of a, a mall attached to it with about 30 restaurants, and uh, it's a fun conference. You don't you drive there, park your car, and you can uh, get around, and we'll have about 25 speakers. I'm just looking at chaps you probably have interviewed, your good friend mm-hmm. Peter Grandich. Sure. Um, Frank, Jason, um, Greg McCoach, uh, Ted Butler, I think Thomas Tan is the uh, mining analyst for Euro-Pacific. And mm-hmm. speaking. Plus, we're going to have a little fun here. The uh, the gold group, GATA group, will be there in force, and mm-hmm. we're going to be putting on a dinner where we're going to roast GATA chairman Bill Murphy. Oh, fantastic. That would be fun. That should be a fun evening. And yeah. Of course, Mike Berry, who is well-known around the U.S. Sure, sure. Well, Joe, this is about all the time we have. Yeah. We've got to go to commercial break now, but I just want you to tell our listeners again, is it CambridgeHouse.com is where they can go to learn more about uh, about. If you can't not only figure out how to numbers. spell, we have several sites. It's just simple. Go to goldshow.ca, goldshow.ca, and that'll get you right in. Quickly. That'll get you there. Okay, well, thank you, Joe. Thank you so much for, your, for sharing that information. It's, folks, it's a lot of fun. 
It would be more fun for me if I were a spectator and not a speaker, I must say, but I enjoy these conferences a lot. There's lots of good information. As Joe says, you can go there and look at your the management eye-to-eye and learn to know them. Nothing more important than that. And coming up next after our break is John Mark Stoudy, who's the president and CEO of Riverside Resources, talking about looking people in the eyes. I've looked John in the eyes many times, and he's one of the most honest, hardworking guys who has the shareholder's interest at heart. Don't go away. You're going to want to hear John Mark Stoudy's a story in just a minute. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike River. With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. Have you been acquiring physical gold, silver, and coins? Are you receiving the best price and the best service you can? Why not work with the most recommended precious metals company in the country? Resource Consultants is recommended by over 20 newsletter writers, several websites, and countless stockbrokers and financial planners. Call them now and find out how they can help you. 800-494-4149. Or visit them on the web at www.buysilvernow.com. That's 800-494-4149. They'll be waiting for your call. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love you're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm here with John Mark Stoudy, uh, President and CEO of Riverside Resources. Um, I also have Chen Lin with me, and Chen and I were just up in the North Country in Quebec uh, looking at a couple of gold projects, and I want Chen on to listen to John Mark because Chen is what I consider to be an extraordinarily great stock picker. He's done very well, as we've talked about before. Chen may have a question or two, but I just also wanted him to hear John Mark's story again, and uh, I wanted to chat with him personally about it after we get off the air, too, at some point in time. But Riverside, Riverside Resources um, trades uh, TS on the Toronto Exchange under the symbol RRI. On the pink sheets, RVSDF. It's at about, the last I looked, around 65 cents or so. Although today the markets are taking a battering. Perhaps it's down. Maybe John can tell us. It's 21, only 21.8 million shares outstanding, which is really quite extraordinary. It's got a market cap of 15 million, which doesn't mean much until you start to look at what the company has, its prospects, and in my view, in my view, Riverside Resources is definitely very much an undervalued stock. Now, before we get to John, I should just mention, for the sake of full disclosure, that Riverside is a sponsor to this show. Um, I do recommend it in my newsletter as a buy to my subscribers, and I do personally own this stock. And I bought tripled up my position recently when it when it went down quite a bit on some on some drilling news that I guess some people thought was less than less than spectacular, but I thought it was solid and looked very good from a longer-term perspective. So I took that as a buying opportunity. And uh, so I just want to mention those things because I'm not totally a disinterested party here. I do want to see Riverside Resources succeed because I am a shareholder. That uh, happens to also be true of John Mark Stoudy. Welcome, John Mark, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Thank you, Jay. And uh, like you, on the news, on the overreaction on the market, I don't know how many CEOs actually buy their own stock, but I did. I haven't sold a share, but I bought more in Riverside, too. I mean, it's exciting to be working for Riverside and appreciate very much being on your show. Well, thank you, and I want to get to the reasons why it's exciting to work for Riverside in a minute. One of the things that I've noticed that's unique about Riverside is you have a very low number of shares outstanding. I know you are a major shareholder of the company, and I know you do not want to see a great deal of dilution in your uh in your share share structure, um, no doubt because you are a major shareholder, you are uh, you really have the same interested hearts that that uh, investors in general would have who buy your shares, and that's not always true. A lot of these companies, I might add, uh, have you know more interested sometimes in making sure they get their salaries, the the projects go forward, and so they can have long term employment. And and some other people like to structure their compensation in a way. 
that is uh, that is in sync with the shareholders' interests. So, um, your company is what is known in the trade as a prospect generator or project generator. I can't remember how you term it. Yeah, so we're a project project generator, or we often call it a prospect generator. The reason we call it a prospect generator is we generate properties and then find partners for them. The thing that makes Riverside so unique is I've been myself been working in Mexico for over 20 years. I started working there for the U.S. government, compiling data. So we generate properties from proprietary databases. These databases are a key part of Riverside. And so one thing when you look at a company is what do they have that's unique? First off is we've been in Mexico a long time. We know the area, and we have a unique database that we generate properties from. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really, the prospect generator, though, you might explain to our listeners, also helps to reduce the dilution, which uh, I was talking about just a moment ago. The number of, keeping the number of shares down is, very, is a very good thing for people who are early investors. Could you ex- maybe just explain how the prospect generator achieves that low share structure? It's vital, and I think when I look at Berkshire Hathaway, it's interesting because Warren Buffett, the first thing he looks for is management that owns things. Every time you do a financing, if you don't put in your own money, you get diluted. Mm-hmm. So if you put out more shares, the company becomes more diluted, and it takes that much more difficult for the share price to grow for those existing shareholders. Riverside only has 21 million shares out. The way we do that is through joint venturing our projects, and we get paid. We've had cash flow positive months already as a junior company. We're making money in the exploration business. We get recovered, our capital in different times. We do have a dilution. We do continually spend more money and have to raise money, but at a very much slower rate. That is a prospect generator. A successful one will have partnerships that pay them, pay their salaries for their staff, and actually maybe even put a bit of money in the kitty. That's the type of thing that Riverside's been able to do, and we look forward to doing in 2010 is continuing that, joint venturing our projects, getting exposure through other people's investments into our portfolio. Mm-hmm. How many projects does Riverside have now, John? Riverside just added a new project, so we're now up to seven. We had six projects uh, through the end of 2009, and then coming into 2010, we were able to finish a major deal for the Tahitos project. Uh, Tahitos means small diggings or small holes, and that's because there's a lot of small mines here. We were able to acquire the core holdings to the district and then stake a large area around it. We often do that where we get a deal with someone and then we claim the rest of the ground to make us into a very large project, having the key asset and then all the mineralization around it. We have seven projects in total. What criteria do you use to select those projects? The first first thing is value for shareholders. I'm a big shareholder. I've gave up working in the major companies, chose to resign from that to go and found Riverside, and have brought it up with a team of people that have worked with me for up to 15 years. So first thing we do in our criteria is getting something for value. We don't want to overpay when we get it. The second thing is we do focus on gold. We are bullish about the future of gold. We do have other commodities other than gold, but we try to focus on gold. We believe in gold, and we think if we can add gold ounces to the company cheaply, That'll make internal value, it'll make true intrinsic value to the company. We add those ounces through historic data, historic resources, or historic information, and then we do our own. And each of the projects that we get, we look for open pit when possible. Those are the lowest cost to produce. We look for heap leach type projects. Those are the cheapest to produce. All the time we're looking for value. 
the things that are highest value, highest margin, best projects, those are the type of things that we try to get. You uh, have some very impressive shareholders, aside from yourself. Who are some of the other major shareholders in your company? Riverside's been very lucky. We've actually been able to have Kenross become a major shareholder. Kenross is a big gold producer, and to have them come in and own almost 6% of the company, that's been good. A second one is Lucas Lundin and the Lundin Mining Group. And having the Lundin family invested in Riverside just as helpful to us that it puts us in with the right group and a solid investment. A third major shareholder is Rick Rule, and it's very nice to have Rick Rule and then his group of different investors to follow him come into Riverside, and that really has added a lot of stability. Of course, management's also a major shareholder at over 10%, so overall about 45% of the shares are, are already tied with key people that are in for it. They're acting as owners, as we all do. We're trying to own the stock, grow a company, and really add value. We're not making our money from high salaries. We're not putting out all the options. We're not doing stuff like that. There are no games here. This is really trying to build a major solid corporation. That's really interesting when you say 45% of your shares are tightly held, held by those, by, you know, those, those uh, few people that you just mentioned. And uh, there are so few shares to start with, so that means that the share structure is very tight. Uh, I would think that, the, that this is a company on some really good news that could really, share price, we would in theory at least be able to rise very rapidly. Could you give us an idea of what, maybe what your flagship property or one or two of your more advanced properties, we only have a few minutes left, unfortunately, but if you could go forward and just give us a, a brief outline of a couple of your major projects. Yes, so the the key projects right now include the Sugarloaf Peak Gold Asset, and we'll be actually running a tour there after the Phoenix show that's coming up that you were talking about earlier on your conference here. That project is an excellent gold open pit project. We've got uh, a large strike length. It's very much like the Mesquite Mine, like the Aridura Mine, like the Chinate Mine. It's a major gold project, very interesting, open pit Nice, large gold system, and that's great. And Riverside has 100% interest in that. That's one of the great things about Riverside is we've been able to get 100% interest in our key assets. That's vital. So we can, at the right times, find joint ventures to carry the projects forward. We're not ourselves trying to go into production, Mm -hmm. but, in fact, if we own the right projects and then we have joint ventures on them, that way we don't have to dilute. We can use other people's expertise. The second major project is the Tajitos project that we've mentioned a little bit about. It's in Sonora, Mexico. And the third one is the Peñoles Capitan project in Durango, Mexico. Three very good gold assets that are all open pit, gold, low cost, very large systems. Riverside has a market cap of less than $15 million. And today, as you said, the market's going down. Right now, we're trading on only $0.65 cents U.S. Mm. On, the, uh, on the pink sheets and uh, $0.68 cents on the uh, Toronto venture exchange. So with such a small market cap, we really are able to move uh, uh, with good news because we, as we develop more assets and as we deliver on our, our program, people can see that, in fact, you know, we don't, aren't a very large market cap. Sure. Chen, would you have a question for John Mark? Yes. Hi, John. Um, yeah, thank you uh, for coming on to the show. Uh, my question is, among all your properties, uh, which one you think would be uh, mostly interested by majors. You know, we have the bidding war of Goldcore and Camplat, and, you know, I don't know whether they still continue or this, but it's much higher than our original bid offer. And a lot of uh, junior investors are very excited, want to know who will be the um, next Camplat. So what kind of project they are looking for, 
And among your project, most which one will be most likely interested by Kinross and why? I think they're looking for open pit gold systems. They're looking for large systems that have at least three million ounces and more. Those are the technical characteristics of what they really need. And the Can Platts uh, venture is very close to our Peñoles project in the Capitan area. It's in Durango, Mexico. That project is open pit gold and fits very well, Chen, for the type of uh, event that's happened. Riverside owns that 100%, and that's a very, very good project. The second one, Sugarloaf Peak, is also very good. For those companies wanting to work instead of in Mexico, but up in the United States, that project's in Arizona. So we have different majors that are interested in that project because they're looking for gold assets that are in the United States. So those two lead projects right now would be fitting for your interest, I think. At the end of December this coming year, we'll see a good competition come from the Tajitos project, and that would be a third. But right now, the Capitan project would be one that would fit very well with the competition Gold Corp and Newmont Pignoles have just been going back and forth on for the project with Canplatz. Riverside's got the Capitan project. It's a very good opportunity in similar type of jurisdiction. So, John, Mark, getting back to your um, your statement there and answering Chen's question that you think the majors are looking for at least 3 million ounces, I know it's too early to tell. I know you've got a lot of work to do. But given what you know at this point in time about the structure, about the grades and so forth, uh, and the drilling that's taken place already at Sugarloaf Peak, do you think that project has the potential, and I would underscore the word potential, to come up with those kind of numbers, with those, that kind of a resource? Potentially, most definitely, yes. Mm-hmm. We have not drilled enough yet, but there are drill holes that go down one kilometer mm-hmm. that were drilled by previous people, not for gold, but for porphyry copper. Mm-hmm. Those holes had alteration going all the way down the hole. In our current drilling, we've drilled 200-meter deep holes, and those are finding gold uh, all the way down the hole. So we see the system is very large. So potentially, yes. We also see the system is very long. It goes over three kilometers. That's two miles of strike length. So we're into a very, very large system. So it's the right type of area that one could find that. And we're looking forward to continuing in the 2010 to, uh, to delineate and expand and uh, we'll come out with some new maps on our website here. And we just put out a new video uh, about it up on the YouTube. If you go to YouTube, you can see John Mark's Geo Tutorials. It's one of our emphases on trying to just teach. We're trying to explain how we do it and what we do. We're not trying to promote Riverside. We're just trying sure. to let people know and, and be able to be approachable to investors and to the general public. Okay, John Mark, what is that website so people can go there? What is The website for Riverside is www rivres that's r i v r e s dot com rivres dot com fantastic well thank you john mark and i can tell you uh, folks out there listening to this show that uh... riverside as i said i own the stock it uh, has a recommendation on our newsletter they are a sponsor to this show the reason i like this company a lot is because of the management headed up by john mark stoudy but also because i see the sugarloaf peak as having in my view, having the potential, again, underscoring the word potential, to come up big. And with a prospect generator like John Mark has, you only need one of those projects to be successful. And if they are, 
I got to tell you, this isn't a $15 million market cap company any longer, folks. So you might want to consider, and what I always tell my subscribers is don't load up, don't back up the truck and buy, put everything you have into one stock. Be ready to diversify. And if you buy a few shares of Riverside Resources and it comes in big, as I think it has a good chance of doing, then you're going to be very, a very happy uh, shareholder. John Mark, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. And we're just about to go to a uh, break, I think, now. Um, Run. Uh, okay, we're coming up on break time, so thanks again, John Mark Stoudy, for being with us. Folks, be sure to check out John's work. We're going to come right back with Chen Lin, who's going to have some, some, dis, uh, some thoughts about the trip we just made up north, and I'm sure some more words of wisdom and some money-making ideas from uh, Chen Lin. Don't go away. We'll be right back. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike River. 
With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well-positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love you're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Well, Chen Lin has, has stayed with me through the commercial break. He was there with uh, listening to John Mark Stoudy's story of Riverside Resources. Uh, Chen, welcome back. Thank you, Jay. We just had a great trip up to uh, um, see a couple of Metanor Metanor's properties, and we'll uh, perhaps not have time to talk about them today, or maybe we will. But I want to ask you first of all, Chen. Last week there were two stocks you talked about. Some of two of your favorites, actually. Uh, one of them was Golden Minerals, and the other one was North Star um, Healthcare. North Star Healthcare has gained forty percent since last week, and Golden Minerals is up thirty percent last week. Let's. Let's talk about North Star Healthcare first. What, what's going on there? Have you any idea why the stock is moving the way it is? I really do not have an idea. Uh, the only thing I can guess is uh, there's a tax selling at the end of uh, December, mm-hmm. and uh, people, you know, dollars sold out their positions. Now it's time to rise. I mean, it's ex- extremely undervalued stock. Uh, it used to trade over $10, and uh, when I was talking last week, it was, not, it was below $1. Very mm-hmm. close to a takeover bid by its ex CEO last year. Think about mm-hmm. that, you know, like uh, in 2009, early 2009, very close to a takeover bid. So mm-hmm. it was extremely undervalued. I think people start recognize its value. Okay, so anyway, congratulations on that one, 40%. What about uh, Golden Minerals, up 30% since last week? What's going on there? Yeah, it's actually been more than 30%, maybe 35%. But, yeah, the I think it's also people recognize the value. Uh, look at a company with 45 properties who acquired when gold was below $500, you know, and then they have a fantastic trading results. Uh, they supposed to have a 43-101 coming out very soon. That's not something I'm very looking forward to. It will be come out, according to companies, by the end of this month. So that, that will re- including the drill hole, the, the 12 meters, 3,000 gram per ton, mm-hmm. fantastic drill hole. That will be in the 43101. So I will, I'm very excited to, to wait you know, to, for the next few weeks uh, to see the results. By the way, I, I hold both stocks. I didn't sell any, even though they went up. Both of them went up so much. 
because I believe they are still severely undervalued at the current price. I should uh, mention, I think, Chen, that the number of shares there are very limited. It's a very small number, what, two, three million shares or so outstanding there? Right. Golden Mineral, they are with recent investment by Sentian and the Horschild. Uh, they are about a little bit over four million, I think, four million share outstanding. Million so shares. their market cap is about fifty million something, and they have twenty million cash and forty-five mm. properties. Mm. So, so that's you know that's a story. You think how how undervalued it is? You know, you can imagine. Yeah, and that that I believe was a spinoff, or it was a uh, it's a remake of a of a company that went through bankruptcy. Um, what was the uh, the previous company? Was what Chen? Apex Silver was the previous uh, bankrupt hey. company. They, they built a big uh, silver zinc mine. Uh, unfortunately, in the credit crunch, and, during their, and also because they are that low and their hedging program, they went to bankruptcy. Actually, Sumitomo bought it penny on the dollar mm-hmm. you know, for the mine. And now, they actually, they managed the mine for Sumitomo. And I heard Sumitomo very happy with that they, their management. They, they're going to give them a bonus this year. So yeah. it's, uh, you know... But for the, for the, it's an unfortunate event for the old company, uh, unfortunately for old shareholder. But right now, this is a rebirth of uh, of a new company. Well, I think they're making they're bringing in something more than a dollar per share in cash flow from management of that company, that that previous company. But Sumitomo was able to buy this that project on a penny a penny to the dollar. You saying? They bought a very low price. I forgot yeah. exactly what the price is from right. from the uh, bankruptcy court. Right, so all the I... shareholder got wiped out. All the bond, some bondholder, convertible bondholder, got these uh, shares in the golden mineral. Mm-hmm. And all the convertible bondholder, they're more interested in do, doing tax selling because mm-hmm. they want to write off their tax than you know than really invest because mm-hmm. they're bondholder. And then most selling was done last year because all the bondholders sold last year. So this year start rise very quickly. Which okay, well, well, you still I, see a, a big upside potential then for Golden Minerals, even though yes, it isn't yes, dramatically. It's still a fairly, fairly small market cap with lots of great properties. And I also mentioned, I believe that they were very early. Those properties were obtained before any bull market in silver and gold got underway. Exactly. So uh, I think they're considered to be prime properties. I know that uh, that this is a company also that Brent Cook, who we interviewed here on this on this show some weeks ago, is also, uh, that's a company that Brent Cook is very, very, Keen on Chen, we only have a couple of minutes to go. I need to ask you about another favorite of yours, one that I have on my list that I've been looking at too, a coal producer, North American Gem. Could you just talk a minute about North American Gem and why you like that stock? Yeah, and um, partially it's uh, due to this cold weather. The natural gas price went up, the energy price went up, and then coal uh, price also going up. I contact the company; they are not have a fixed locking price, so they can take advantage. Of the rising coal price, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, I you did a very good job, Jay, uh, in analyzing their potential cash flow. They can potential their 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 stock is trading at uh, 14, 15 cents right now. They, but they can cash flow 10 cents, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in the near future. Uh, right. So, but if gold price go higher, they can cash flow even more than that. So yeah. that, that will make it a very very uh, undervalued story. Yeah, there's uh, apparently some uh, some nuance here that allows this company uh, uh, to, you know, it's able able to um, uh, have an advantage over some other coal producers that might have some environmental problems that this company doesn't have, as I understand it. So it is a company that looks very interesting, and uh, as you say, could cash flow ten cents a share. 
I was looking at possibilities of, of something more like 13 cents once they get going. But but in any event, relative to its market cap and its current share price, if they're able, if the management's able to execute its, their business plan, then it should be a very successful company. Well, Chen, I think next week you and I maybe will talk about. Uh, about Metanor and our trip up to Quebec, uh, north of Valdor there. Do you want to just, just say a, a word about it? we got about 30 seconds left. Yeah, it was very interesting, very exciting. I mean, it was very, very cold, as you mentioned, <laughs> minus at more than 20 degrees. But uh, we've seen some fantastic, uh, you know, uh, results uh, from, from, you know, from what I've seen. It was very, very exciting. Well, it certainly has, and maybe we can talk more in detail about it next week, folks. Uh, thank you, Chen, for coming on. Folks, you can learn more about Chen's work and uh, take advantage of a special low-priced introductory um, subscription. Call my assistant, Claudio Bossi, at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426. So we're, we're going to come up on commercial break now. We're going to have John Hathaway. You don't want to go away. John Hathaway of the uh, Tocqueville Fund, a very successful gold fund, is going to be with us. Um, John was a uh, really a gold bug. Uh, I don't know if he would want to be termed that way, but he was, gold, he was bullish on gold way back when the price of gold was about $300, and nobody else really wanted to buy it, very, very few people out there. What does John think now that gold is up over a thousand bucks? Is it time to start turning bearish? Well, we'll get his opinion in just a few minutes. Uh, don't go away. We'll be right back with John Hathaway. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike River. With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, 
Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love you're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm really privileged to have John Hathaway, who, uh, who manages the Tocqueville Gold Fund. And uh, John uh, has done extremely well for our family, I think lots of other families, people that invested in gold back uh, early in the early days of this new bull market in gold, have done very, very well with the Tocqueville Gold Fund. Uh, it is uh, located in New York City, and uh, John was really one of the uh, one of those crying in the wilderness um, back in when gold was at 300 bucks or so. Nobody else wanted to buy, or very few people were buying uh, the yellow metal at that time, except some of us diehard gold guys. And um, now we need to ask John what he thinks about gold now, what about gold mining shares? We've had this huge bull market, it seems. Um, others uh, we've talked to in this show, like Bob Hoy, is suggesting that uh, the bull market is fairly young. Others, though, that we see every day on CNBC are suggesting that basically it's all over, that uh, gold has gotten way out of hand, it's way too expensive, and, uh, and that therefore we should be looking to get back into paper. So, um, so John, welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. It's really a, a privilege to have you with us. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. Um, you, you bill yourself as a contrarian investor, and I know that is true because of what I just talked about. You were buying gold back when nobody else wanted it. I remember you saying on CNBC back in those early days how you were convinced that gold would eventually be quoted in four digits rather than three, and that sounded pretty outlandish to most people at that time, not some of us gold bugs necessarily. But mm-hmm. the only question you said was, I think if I remember you remember what you said properly, was the only question in your mind was whether what the first digit would be of the four digits. <laughs> That's right. So now gold is selling at well over 1000 bucks. Well, it's 1100 and some change, I guess. It, it has become more popular. And in a recent essay you wrote a, um, titled A Contrarian's uh, Dilemma, 
You noted that India buying 200 tons of gold from the IMF and Barrick Gold's reversing its short position is making you a little bit uneasy about your contrarian position. So what do you, what do you have to say about it now? Is it, is it time to get out of gold? Well, you know, if you're a contrarian, um, uh, you, you don't want to be in the wilderness forever. Obviously, you have to have uh, company and um, more and more people uh, agreeing with the stand that you initially took when nobody else cared about it. Mm-hmm. So what we're seeing now, I think, is, um, is the bandwagon is growing. Um, if you look at the kind of investors that are becoming prominent in the gold space, uh, they are very high-profile, elite investment thinkers. John Paulson would be one. Uh, Paul Tudor Jones would be another. There are a number of others, and they're all uh, people that have made um, uh, have a history of making good decisions. So, uh, yeah, I have to agree that it's no longer uh, a contrarian story, uh, but that's just the evolution of a market from early days, um, um, early days of a bull market into something that's a little more. Full fledged. So now we have momentum. We have uh, momentum players as well as, uh, as I said, these um, very well thought of um, high high profile investment thinkers. And um, and yes, you know, central banks buying gold, Barrick closing its hedge book. That just shows you that we've come uh, a good distance. But the things that are driving it um, are really. A lot less to do with um, whether India, as a central bank, is buying it or Barrick is closing out its hedge book. It's the potential loss of value of paper assets, um, the U.S. dollar, uh, the euro, um, financial assets. All of that, that's, that's what's really going on, and that's what's driving money into gold. <clears throat> and I would agree with Bob Hoy and, and some of the others that you've quoted um, that this is that that particular th- aspect of things is still early days. Uh, okay, so um, you're, I, I noticed that you know you mentioned India in your recent essay. China has uh, only I guess one point eight percent of its um, uh, of its foreign currencies or its reserves in gold. Japan has two point eight percent. Brazil has point six percent. What do you think the chances are? I mean, I think India was a lot higher than that. What do you think the chances are of some of those growing, well, China certainly and Brazil are growing nations because their economies are growing now. Right. What do you, what do you think the chances of those countries really continuing to put away gold as reserves? Increasing that. Well, it's all, to me it's almost inevitable because um, their policy, let's take China, they're basically pegged their currency to the dollar so that... Um, they can maintain the U.S. as an export market. Mm-hmm. Um, in, so in, in, in doing that, they essentially become large accumulators of U.S. dollar, U.S. dollar assets. Now, Brazil and the others you mentioned, uh, Japan for sure, also manipulate their currencies. And the result, the first result, is that they accumulate an out, outsized position in U.S. dollars, which they then invest in Treasury bills. Um, so that that issue is not going away, and eventually they'll need to diversify, and, and they'll, they'll do what India did. So I see that as a, as a likelihood down the road. 
Okay. We're going to go to station break uh, right now. We're going to be right back with John Hathaway. We're going to ask him more about about gold, about the Federal Reserve and its policies, and uh, where he thinks we're going from here with the gold price and uh, and gold mining as well, because John's fund invests in that sector. I'm sure he has some words of wisdom for us. So don't go away. We'll be right back after a commercial break. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike River. With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. Have you been acquiring physical gold, silver, and coins? Are you receiving the best price and the best service you can? Why not work with the most recommended precious metals company in the country? Resource Consultants is recommended by over 20 newsletter writers, several websites, and countless stockbrokers and financial planners. Call them now and find out how they can help you. 800-494-4149. Or visit them on the web at www.buysilvernow.com. That's 800-494-4149. They'll be waiting for your call. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. 
Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and we are back here with John Hathaway. But before we get to John, I want to thank each of you again for listening to this show. Our numbers keep on growing. We're very gratified by that. We also want to thank uh, our sponsors for making this show financially possible. Again, those sponsors are Sand Gold, Hawthorne Gold, Magellan Minerals, Timmins Gold, International Wayside, Crocodile Gold Corp., Metanor Resources, Riverside Resources, Western Pacific, Pediment Gold, Silvercrest Mines, and Resource Consultants. John, thanks for coming back uh, again after the break. Sure. Uh, before the break, I mentioned that um, I guess um, really wanted to get into another topic as we get into this uh, this segment. But uh, the Federal Reserve, uh, you en- you mentioned in your last essay that I read uh, something about you think that the Fed may have changed uh, change of heart with respect to the gold price. Maybe they're not so so opposed to a rising gold price uh, in this environment. Could you explain your thinking there? Yeah. Um... I, I'm not sure it just pertains to gold, but uh, I think the game is to reflate the economy. Mm-hmm. And uh, any any um, collateral value that can increase so that um, lenders would have confidence against asset values is is uh, is what they are trying to design. They're 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 definitely af- afraid of deflation. Mm-hmm. So the way gold fits into that is that uh, obviously it's um, it's it's a it's a, it, at the very least it signals an intent to inflate. Um, so I think the I think the war that that has been waged by the central bank against gold has at least at the very least been been there's a truce. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's, it, it fits their design to see asset values of all kinds rise um, to encourage lending. And, and, and the fact that gold is swept along in that, uh, in that um, asset inflation um, offensive, which the Fed is on, is, is, is not a troubling thing to the Fed at all. So I, I don't think they have... Gold in their gun sites right now. I think they're they're very they're either at the very least indifferent, and maybe even quite uh, happy to see the gold price go up. Um, you've talked about four stages of a bull of a bull market. I guess any bull market, but with respect to gold, could you tell us what stage do you think we're in? Could you first explain what those four stages of a bull market are, and then perhaps let us know where you think we are with respect to the gold bull market? Okay. Well, these are very highly scientific terms. I, I have basically the beginning, the end of the beginning, the beginning of the end, and, and the end. So okay. it's, it's not terribly complicated. Okay. Um, but there, but there, there is some um, method to my madness, I suppose. And that is, that in, in the beginning of a bull market, you you base it's very quiet. Um, essentially, what you have is a very sold out condition. Nobody owns it. Uh, and that was certainly the case uh, back in the late 1990s when we started our gold fund. Um, in fact, it was the subject of ridicule, and uh, I, I'll never forget the, um, the weekend segment of the Financial Times. I forget the exact date, but I saved the copy of it called The Death of Gold. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the death of equities from Business Week back in the... Um, at the, at the beginning of the bull market in equities in 1980. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the beginning. The, the end of the beginning is um, 
you know, you, you move from a, a condition of sort of deathly quiet and, and, and ridicule to um, favorable price action. And, um, and then you, you start to get some media noise, uh, which is what we've had recently. We've had the noise of a lot of front-page headlines about gold, a lot of, um, as I spoke early in the earlier segment, uh, well-thought-of investors getting aboard the bandwagon. We've, we've had Barrick shutting down its hedgebook. And so, to me, that's the end of the beginning, and that's basically gold has sort of risen from the ashes. Now it's be- become... Uh, okay to talk about it in polite company, and um, you know there it is. It's 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 done well. Most people have not have not uh, invested in it, and um, I guess your listeners would be the exception. But what I find in going around is, by and large, people talk about it, but they have not really acted acted on it. So to me, that's kind of the end of the beginning, and I think we're sort of entering the next phase, which is. The beginning of the end. Now, remember that the that those first two phases took ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, my guess is the next two phases, the beginning of the end and the end, may not take a full ten years, but they'll probably take many years. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when you start to get momentum really going. I think volati- volatility will increase. Um, I think the rate of increase in both the metal price and the share prices will will actually um, rise from what we've seen, and then I think the end will just be just complete craziness and uh, kind of what we saw in, in 1980 when the gold price rose dramatically in a very short period of time, and that was kind of the bell ringing for uh, investors to kind of stand aside and and maybe uh, go to the next good investment idea now. You know what is that end going to look like? Let's let's remember that in 1980 you had some very important political sea changes, and that's what I think it will take to bring an end to this bull market in gold. I think you'll have to have uh, a new administration um, that has a more of a much more of a hard money uh, mentality, and you'll need a central banker that can back that up, because that's what you had in 1980 with Reagan and with uh, Volcker. Uh, what that would mean uh, would be uh, a recession of a couple of years, maybe three years, um, and very high uh, real interest rates. Um, I don't see that on the horizon at any point, but I would just suggest that, that is a, that's a scenario for... Um, uh, a, a, a sort of a uh, um, comeback for uh, paper money. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I don't see that happening anytime soon. It's hard to see that, isn't it? Right? It now? really is. I mean, it's, it's just a political environment. And I, you know, the world in 1980 was a lot different. And I think you know, there's so much debt out there. The world has changed dramatically. So, my guess is that um, that transition will be much more tumultuous than it was in 1980, and that, and that was pretty scary back then. Indeed it was. Well, we've heard some talk from mainstream, mainstream pundits that uh, gold is in a bubble. And I take it from what you're saying, you know, you, don't, you look around and you don't see people really rushing around to buy no. gold and the kind of anything. No, I mean, the bubble is, is, is bonds. It's the, bu- yeah. the bubble is treasuries. 
Okay, so which are ridiculously valued. Well, why do you think some people think there's a bubble in gold? Well, you know, typically the guys that are saying that it's a bubble are, are people who missed the whole play. <laughs> you know, Rubini would be a good example. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, CNBC has always been anti-gold. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it always kills me when, when somebody tells you to sell something, but they never told you to buy it. Right. Um, okay. So I don't, I, I, I don't think there's a lot of credibility to um, that sort of commentary. Um, if you look at the rate of increase in the gold price, uh, it's quite steady. It's not, it's not parabolic. Um, you know, maybe it seems that way, but if you look at uh, any sort of a log chart or you know any, you don't have to use use a log scale. It just the rate of increases is pretty much uh, sustainable. Mm-hmm. Obviously, from day to day, day to day, it could get a little bit out of line, but it's not it's not reached the point of absolute craziness and silliness that. Uh, to me, would compare to what you saw with the dot-coms and the, the housing bubble. Or, indeed, what we saw in 1980. I remember it very well. I'm old enough to remember. It was a parabolic move there in the, in the gold price when it hit 850, was it not? And, and I saw, and I can remember common folks lining up to buy Krugerrands at that time in the streets in New York. Right. Not yeah, that, I mean, you, 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 and you hear every so often about stories about people wanting to buy gold coins, and mm-hmm. I watch that, um, that sort of thing, but uh, it's not... I think most people, if you ask them, if you walk down the streets of uh, New York or any other big city and ask uh, ask them what they thought of gold, they they give you a blank look. Exactly, Roger. Are you there? And would you have a question for John? Yeah, Roger's here. Would you have a question for John? Yeah, I would be curious um, as to uh, how high a price John would see for gold uh, for this year, this year 2010. You know, one thing I've learned is to, when you forecast, don't combine it with a date. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think we'll see further progress. I mean, I would not be surprised to see, you know, several hundred dollars more tacked onto the price sometime this year, uh, maybe a correction ahead of that, or maybe not. Um, the big the big thing to remember is it's not so much the price of gold that's we're, that we're really concerned about it's really the valuation of um, paper money financial assets and that sort of thing and to me that you have dynamics in place which are capable of accelerating the rate of destruction of, of currency um, you know there isn't a day that goes by to me that there isn't a headline out of Washington that just to me just sends chills down my spine about the willingness of, of of the political leadership to uh, abrogate the rule of law um, uh, to um, I, th- I think the possibility of of another round of stimulus is something we have to keep in mind if there's a double dip uh, recession. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's what I would focus on more than the abs- outright price of gold. I think to me, the price of gold is just measures. The decline of, of of the value of of not only the dollar but uh, the euro and the yen and any other currency that would be considered to be a store of value. Mm-hmm. Indeed, uh, John, you noted in your recent essay that there is quite a time lag uh, for these secular trends. I think you kind of you kind of alluded to it a moment ago, but you implied that uh, we no doubt still have a long ways to go, though, for this for this bull market. That's I think what you're saying. 
Yeah, I mean, in a way, I mean, the, the, the funny thing is, I mean, I think back to um, talking about the S&P now, back in 1974, that was the bottom of the bear market. Uh, but it took five or six years, maybe seven, for people to realize that the market had bottomed and it was in a, it was in a new uptrend. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the perception of, uh, particularly when, when, um, Mass media and uh, the grassroots investors, and, th- and that's actually institutional as well. These 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 views tend to have a life of their own, and so underlying conditions can actually be changing for perhaps the better or or worse. And it takes because of cultural lag years to for for the markets to discover that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that that's another reason I think that the uh, the bull market in gold has longevity to it. You talked about impeccable bullish fundamentals for gold. What are they? You know, it really boils down to uh, the, the 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 seemingly intractable fiscal situation of of Western democracies. Um, you know, we look at our situation here in the U.S. and you have um, budget deficits that are just that would have been unthinkable two or three years ago. Um, ultimately, that sort of um, situation, that, that uh, government um, finances being between a rock and a hard place, ultimately leads to inflation um, and currency destruction. And I think that's where we are. That's uh, that's the basics of, of the bull. And that's it. I mean, it's really a short... It's a short message. I mean, it's yeah. you know, gold is very simple. It's just it's just it's a it's an asset that retains its value. <clears throat> it appears to rise against uh, a failing uh, standard, which would be um, paper currencies. Um, in reality, it's just maintaining, preserving capital, and and then for those of us who see that as an opportunity, we can uh, potentially make money from that observation and that strategy, and in particular, investing in mining shares, which uh, uh, offer leveraged returns against, against uh, a rise in gold price. Well, speaking of mining shares, uh, Bob Hoy, who, who I've noted has been on this show a couple, three times, in fact, uh, talks a lot about the real price of gold, and I think this sort of <clears throat> excuse me, goes to uh, your answer to Roger's question a minute ago. The what really matters is not the nominal price of gold, but what an ounce of gold will buy relative to currency and what currency will buy. What are your thoughts on Bob Hoy's concept? I know you and I talked about this off-air. Uh, what are your your ideas about Bob Hoy's concept of the real price of gold going up? Now, Bob has gone back and looked at credit contraction periods, you know, these right. large major credit contractions, and he's noted there's been a long period. I think he talks about 20 years from the time the real price of gold actually starts to rise so you can buy increasingly more things with an ounce of gold than you could during the good days when you know when the mainstream considered to be good days when the stock market was rising right. but was having a party. What what is what are your thoughts about Bob's idea about the real price of gold rising and what might that mean for your fund and the companies that you're buying for your shareholders? Well, first of all, I think that's a valid concept. Um, um, and and base and, and and restating it. Um, it means that gold outperforms other commodities. Um, I can remember 
leading up until in, into the midpoint of 2008, gold was kind of like the tortoise in the race, and uh, oil and and base metals were were outperforming gold um, pretty much uh, because you had this um, popular investment theme that China would just consume more and more of everything. And what people forgot is that uh, gold is the only commodity that has gold and silver have monetary characteristics. So when you get a crunch like we did, where financial uh, issues rise to the top of the heap, uh, economically sensitive commodities just plummeted. Oil went from 150 down to 40 bucks, and uh, copper went from four dollars down to uh, less than two, I think. Um, and gold actually rose in, in in nominal terms; it went up about six percent in the midst of the worst credit crisis um, since the depression. And 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 I don't think that was lost on investors. And I think since then, you've seen gold separate from all these other commodities. And I'm not against investing in um, coal or oil or or copper, but but gold, I think, because of the experience of of 2008, is on a much different and higher traject- trajectory than. Um, the the uh, most most hard assets, and I think that's what Bob is referring to. So what you, what that means when you translate that into um, margins for mining companies, it means that the price of what they are selling on a relative basis is going up much more than the cost of producing it. The the energy, the steel, the chemicals, and all that sort of thing um, are not keeping pace with the gold price, and that translates into um, potentially very dramatic margin expansion and much higher earnings and cash flow, which almost nobody today thinks could happen. Um, you know, if I had to be, again, being a contrarian, which I am, the typical investor today is content to own uh, the metal via the ETF, which is, which is great. I'm all for that. Uh, but they're afraid to invest in mining shares because they're because, frankly, mining companies have not generated very good returns on capital for many, many years. But getting back to the concept of the real price, as the real price rises, that whole thing can change, and, and, and gold shares will take on, uh, I think, a, a new life and uh, be completely revalued in the market. Well, are you seeing that, John, with the companies in your portfolio since, let's say, Lehman Brothers? Because I've, you, you just alluded to the fact that gold has risen relative to a lot of these other materials. Have you seen improving margins in uh, some of the major mining companies, for example, that might be on in the? You're, you're beginning to. I think. Um, uh, I think you are definitely in the third quarter. You began to see that um, this year, this quarter, the fourth quarter, which will uh, will start seeing some results. Um, I think the gold price averaged um, somewhere in the probably around a thousand or a little over a thousand for the last three months of '09, mm-hmm. and that was probably ten to fifteen percent better than. I, and I'm just winging this because I don't sure. necessarily look at it this way, but it, I, I'm, I'm going to guess that the, the gold price was, is fifteen percent better than it was a year ago, and the cost of producing it 
probably hasn't gone up very much at all. So I, I, I would th- think that this quarter um, that's about to be reported will start to begin to see that. And then as that becomes more and more evident, then I think you'll see a, a, a mass revaluation of um, uh, companies that produce gold. I have to ask you a little bit about silver and silver mining companies. And uh, so what, what are your thoughts on silver vis-a-vis gold? And that's the first question. The second one is, does Tocqueville Gold Fund have some silver plays, some pure silver plays in, in the fund? Um, okay. The fir- the, the, my view on silver is that it, it does have monetary traits just the way uh, gold does. Um, silver is a little bit different in that it has much more of an industrial um, uh, usage and uh, so when you analyze silver, you have to look at um, not just macro things, but you'll have to, have to understand um, um, industrial markets more than you do with gold. Um, having said that, though, I think silver, uh, if gold was to rise 10% um, or, or be in a 10% uh, or 20% uh, rate of increase, then silver will give you more than that. Um, because it is, for one thing, it's smaller in terms of market cap um, than gold. And so if money is moving into the gold space, which I think it will continue to do, um, that same impulse will move money into silver, which has much less capacity to absorb capital flows. And so I think you're going to get more percentage increase in the silver price um, in, in that kind of atmosphere. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So, does the Tocqueville Fund have some pure silver we, plays, or we, probably we do has have gold we, mining we have companies? My, uh, we have a lot product. of silver exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit hard to isolate because typically, um, uh, many mines produce both gold and silver. Uh, however, um, there, we do own stocks like. Um, Silver Wheaton and uh, Pan Am Silver, just to name a couple, that would be thought of as pure silver plays. And, uh, you know, I expect them to do very well. Could you give our listeners uh, a little bit of information on the Tocqueville Fund's track record? Uh, Yeah, I'm delighted to. Uh, We have, um, since inception, which was June of 98, um, produced returns of approximately 20%. Uh, compounded, and um, that would rank us in the top handful of all mutual funds, regardless of strategy. Um, anybody can go to Morningstar or uh, the other websites to uh, to see how we did. But we have outperformed the gold price. Uh, we've outperformed our benchmark, which is the XAU, and um, you know the past is not prologue. But uh, but I'm very proud of what we've accomplished since we started the fund. Sure. What are uh, some of the fund's larger holdings in, uh, among gold mining companies? Uh, well, our largest, uh, well, first of all, we do own physical metal. We have about a 9% exposure to physical, oh. you know, um, physical uh, bullion. Um, our largest individual uh, gold mining holding is Rand Gold Resources. We also have a large position in Gold Corp. Um, Ivanhoe Mines, um, uh, Goldfields, uh, and uh, Newmont Mining. Those would be 
some of the large cap names we have a lot of exposure to. Uh, could, Roger, would you happen to have another question for John? We have another minute, a couple of minutes left. Yeah, a couple of things that I think that would be helpful to reinforce some of the things that John has told us. Uh, gold, golds from about 2001 up until, say, about a year ago, had a consistent pattern of bringing up another, adding on another 15% per year. In the last year or so, that has gone a little higher. It's more like 17 or 18%. Mm-hmm. And again, Beyond that, I think for this year, I think we're probably going to see an average gold price of even higher than that, probably like 23 or 24 percent. Mm-hmm. That's that's just my forecast on it. But uh, the point being that those that claim that the gold run is all over with, uh, I think you've only seen phase one, and we're escalating into phase two where things are going to go faster. Mm-hmm. And then to go to another point that John made about the earnings, uh, we've gone through a, a, a particular time where uh, the miners were working to try to get things into a setup phase, and as you know, the mining business is not a uh, yesterday 10-minute deal. I mean, you're in for a lot of years. And what's going to happen now with these higher prices in gold, they're going to leverage their earnings higher, I think, in, in this year and next year, simply because the cost of doing business is not going to increase that much. Would you agree with that, John? Yeah, no, I think that gets back to the uh, concept of the real price of gold. And uh, as long as um, um, the gold price maintains the trend line that, you're, that you've talked about, um, I don't see that rate of increase in um, all the cost inputs to produce it. So uh, there is a lot of leverage, positive leverage, in profit margins for gold mining companies, and that's just not reflected in the valuation of the shares uh, right now. So I think they're due for a big revaluation. So we could see some nice times in uh, 2010 for the gold mining sector and the share prices as well. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think the, I mean, I think gold will do well, but I think uh, the the underperformance of the gold mining shares, which has been a factor for a couple of years, three or four years now, I think that's going to change, and I, I think. Um, better, re- better relative returns will come from mining shares over the metal itself. John, what about the stock market in general? Do you see um, declines ahead for the for the Dow Jones? Uh, I, I'm asking that question partly because I know going back over the last 100 years or so, whenever we've had a true bottom in a bear market for equities in general, we've seen a one-to-one gold-to-Dow ratio approach. Now, I think mm-hmm. we're now somewhere around nine-to-one. We were right. at 44-to-one. Do you, do you pay any attention to that gold-to-Dow or equity-to-gold equity ratio? And uh, if so, would you agree that we might look at that as some sort of a, an ultimate target? Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think there's, um, um, you know, there's plenty of history to support that. Um, it would be another sign, I think, that uh, maybe the bull market, this phase of the bull market in gold would have run its course when the Dow and gold trade for the same price. I have no idea what the crossover point would be. It could be, for all I know, it could be 15000 or it could be 2000 I think because um, the Fed is so bent on inflating its way out of this mess that it's more likely to be a much higher number than a much lower number. So um, if you, if you uh, 
look at uh, returns in, in the S&P or the broad stock market and deflate them by the gold price, or in other words, use gold as the denominator, the returns have been terrible. Um, and it, it's, it's the money illusion at work. So let, let's pretend that the stock market could go to fourteen or 15000 but in, in constant dollar terms, it might only be um, three or 4000 Mm-hmm. And I kind of think that's the world we're headed into. Yeah, very interesting. Well, I, I think now I've I've managed to sort of clandestinely get you to commit to the inflation-deflation argument, John. I know you didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. But you if know, I hear what you're saying, I think you're, you're leaning you're a little on the inflation. Your, uh... Am I putting words in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry if I have done that. No, no, no. Uh, because I know that it's not an easy... We have a very interesting thing here. We've got several people we've had on this show who are absolute deflationists and several others who are absolute inflationists. And like you, I'm not quite so sure I know, but I appreciate your insights into all of these matters today, John. We uh, are running out of time. Before we uh, say goodbye to you, though, I do want you to tell us uh, a little bit about how people can learn more about your fund. and they, What is your website? And, and maybe you can tell us what sort of minimum investments people need to come up with to, uh, to, to buy shares in the token. Okay, sure. Uh, the website to go to is Tocqueville.com, T-O-C-Q-U-E-V-I-L-L-E. And basically, it should be pretty easy to navigate uh, to find out how to buy um, to buy shares in the fund. We're on a number of different platforms, including, uh, in no particular order, Schwab and Fidelity and most of the big ones. So uh, it should be fairly available. Um, the minimum investment is $2,500, so we're certainly um, open to investors of all of all descriptions and, and welcome all all interest. And uh, again, I'm, I'm very happy to respond to any kind of questions your listeners have by email. Okay, that's fantastic. And, and did you? I wasn't quite listening. I was distracted here for a minute with something else. Did you say the there's a different number for IRA for the for an IRA account? Or is it twenty five hundred minimum for? Every I think it's twenty five hundred dollars. You know, I, forgive me modest. for not knowing the exact uh, figure, but I believe that uh, twenty five hundred is is the minimum. Okay, well, folks, you heard uh, the the uh, performance of the ha- of John's fund, the Tocqueville Gold Fund, and I can tell you personally that uh, Mrs. Taylor and I have been very very pleased with it. We were able to uh, uh, to get a lot of the resources we needed to put our son through college, and that's. That's saying something these days with a relatively modest investment in the Tocqueville Fund. Of course, we bought in at the beginning, but if you believe John Hathaway, Bob Hoy, and a host of other people on this show, we've got a lot further to run in this bull market. It's not too late, I think, to buy some shares. Tocqueville Fund, if you're not interested in investing in individual shares, that's a great way to do it. John Hathaway has done a remarkable job with his fund over the years, and I don't know of any better place to go if you want a diversified portfolio of gold shares than the, half, than the John Hathaway's Tocqueville Fund. Thanks again, John, for being with us. Folks, don't hey, go away. Roger Wiegand is going to be with us uh, for some more of his thoughts on how you can invest your money in 2010. We'll be right back with Roger Wiegand.
the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike River. With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well-positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love ride. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questions at gmail.com. 
That's questions, the number four, Taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm here with Roger Wiegand. Uh, before we start chatting with Roger about his views on the markets at the moment, I just want to just uh, talk to you very, very briefly about a company that I went to visit, uh, two of its projects this week, uh, the Bachelor Lake Mine and the Berry Mine. Uh, the Berry Mine is in production for Metanor Resources. It's just it's uh, Metanor is a sponsor of this show. They are a company that, that I've liked quite a bit. Uh, as I say, they're in production. We're looking at if they're able to carry out their plans, uh, ramping up to about 1,200 tons per day. And uh, for reasons that I'll be explaining to my subscribers this weekend, I could see this becoming. Uh, this I think this company has the potential to become a dollar fifty to dollar seventy-five stock with a current price of about 50 or 60 cents. I uh, don't have time now to talk about it, uh, but we will be talking about it. We'll be having Metanor on our show sometime to talk about their prospects uh, in the future. As a, uh, as a sponsor of this show, they will have a chance to tell you uh, about their company. It is one that I personally like. Another one that I personally like is, uh, is going to be mentioned here in just a minute in the next segment, uh, Gary Freeman of, uh, of Pediment. Um, Pediment Exploration will be talking to us, and uh, Gary will tell you uh, about his company. What we're trying to do on this show is not only provide some very interesting political, uh, economic uh, commentary, but also provide some uh, some concrete ways that you can make money uh, and how you can protect yourself in what we think are going to be increasingly difficult times ahead, notwithstanding all the good news that's being promised, all the good stuff that's being promised to you every day by the mainstream media. I would uh, I would really advise you not to buy too much of that. Uh, in any event, before we go further, I just want to get Roger on with me. Thanks, Roger, for being with us uh, as we talk to John Hathaway. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit about what your thoughts are now as we head into this year. Where what are your thoughts now? Where we can make money in 2010? Gee, I think that uh, what's coming in the next three to four months is going to be among the best time cycle that we've had uh, probably for nearly 10 years. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, we've gone through a bad time in the general stock market. There's been a recovery. There's a tremendous amount of cash on the sidelines right now looking for a home. Uh, we've gone through a period in the Christmas time when I expected things to slow down, and then they're expected really a correction that didn't happen, so to speak. We're getting somewhat of a correction today, but I, I don't think it's going to be that strong. And after this correction is done, uh, in our newsletter, we've got about 20 picks, many of which we've had before, and we're going to open up everything. Uh, we're looking for uh, 23, 24% average higher gold price for 2010. Some of the juniors we've got, we think, have an opportunity to go a lot further than that. Uh, in my newsletter, I've broken it out into a new format in that we're showing a first-tier choice of three seniors, a second-tier choice of uh, three seniors, and then the balances, uh, uh, the junior share picks that, that we have uh, had experience with, plus a, a handful of new ones. Now, in addition to that, uh, we've got some ETFs and we've got some special uh, uh, ideas for trading uh, within the futures, which is, is basically my, my personal uh, pet situation. I love the futures. Uh, I finished out last year. I just... Uh, I came out at around uh, up about 90 percent. 
this year we're already up more. Uh, we've got this little correction in hand, but we've got ways to control risk, and we just we're looking for a fantastic uh, first half of 2010. Roger, tell our listeners how people can learn more about your service. Well, what they should do is they should go to our mutual website, WeBeatTheStreet.com. Uh, they can uh, uh, find us at Trader Tracks, where they can get a trial, or if they want to. Uh, to go straight in and get a, uh, a new subscription, they can call Claudio Bassi in New York at 718-457-1426 in the normal office hours. Uh, we've had numerous people inquiring about the trial recently because they, they read our information on Kitco. I do an essay for them every week. I do a quarterly Q&A on the gold letter. And, of course, we do our radio for, for this show uh, and for a few others. Yep. And we and we do we speak at the conventions and shows, so we're very involved. Uh, Roger, we only have a couple of minutes, but I know one of the markets that you're really keeping a keen eye on this year is the bond market, the long treasury market. What are your thoughts in two minutes on that one? Well, the, the, we shorted the bonds before using the TBTEF. We were early; it didn't work out. We got out of the trade on a recommendation which I sent out, but we think we're very clear to that close to that one now because. The bond markets are getting pretty jumpy in uh, in Asia, as well as in the United States. And I think this time, instead of trying to short it too early, we would recommend waiting until it drops the long bond, until it drops to about 111 on the index. And then we're looking for a skid all the way down to 80 over a long period of time. Um, okay, Roger, I think we're um, we're going to be going to break now. Um, I guess so. So you're saying that probably you're bearish on the treasuries, so uh, probably an opportunity there. Obviously, you're bullish on gold and silver. You're bullish on commodities in general. Is that fair to say? At least absolutely, absolutely. We think we see inflation coming for this year. We already see it in food and energy, and inflation, of course, should drive silver and gold uh, with a dramatic push. Okay, well, thank you very much, Roger. Uh, next up, we're going to have uh, Gary Freeman. He's the president of Pediment Explorations. Um, maybe we put Gary on right now. Gary, are you there? Yes, I am right here. Hey, Gary, welcome. Uh, hey, welcome thanks, Jay. Nice to talk to you. Nice to be on the show. Uh, we've got a few extra minutes here, I think, uh, with our timing here. I think we're all right. So let me just get into it now. Uh, Pediment is trading. Um, I don't know what's its what's its price today. I think we had a pretty rough day in the market. Do you know how? It yeah, it came down a little today, about twenty cents. But it's trading around one seventy Canadian. It's trading in the U.S. as well in the Bolton board, uh, which a pre- which was a precursor to getting onto Nasdaq, uh, onto Amex, of course, at around the same price, a little bit less. Okay, so uh, Pediment Explorations, folks, trades on the Toronto Exchange under the symbol PEZ. On the pink sheets, it's PEZFF. Okay, just a sec, Jay. I got you. It's actually Pediment Gold. I know we just changed the name a little while ago. Oh, you did. 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 Uh, well, for the sake of uh, a full disclosure, let me say that Pediment is a sponsor of the show, and Pediment is recommended in my newsletter. But, Gary, for people who don't know too much about Pediment, uh, just tell us you've got a couple of real flagship properties. Could you just tell us a little bit about those? 
Yeah, of course. We um, we had a, we're good. We were fortunate enough to make a discovery a couple of years ago, and that's the San Antonio project, and that's on the southern Baja, and it has been just a wonderful project. And we actually have just uh, completed a purchase of the surface rights, and we've started to buy water. We've already acquired a couple of hundred uh, thousand cubic liters of water, and we continue to buy more, and we're going to buy more surface rights, but we own the surface rights on top of the deposit now. So we expect a good year of exploration, uh, some expansion in the and definition drilling in the known area, and certainly some of the work we're going to do going south along trend uh, down towards the uh, down towards the southern part of Baja, or southern part of the trend, of course. And then, of course, uh, our chief geologist identified a project that was in production a number of times. Uh, the last time under El Dorado, and it was actually the El Dorado listing property, it's called La Colorada. That is about 40 kilometers outside of Hermosillo, which is in the Sonoran Desert, and we've just completed a 43101 a report on that project, of which we ended up with just under 1.2 million ounces, half and half measured indicated, and then half is um, is in the inferred category. So that's starting to shape up really, really well, and uh, we expect a good year with that. Now, that also has a lot of infrastructure because it had been in production through the 90s. Okay, getting back to the San Antonio, you mentioned buying water, I think, for the sake of people who may not be that familiar with mining. Mining can require a great deal of water in the southwest and the Baja. There, I guess, probably is a fairly dry climate. So, getting those water rights was a huge, was a huge move for your company. Yeah, you know, one of the things, Jay, just to interrupt quickly. Um, that we did last year, and I, or the year before, particularly, but not a lot of people were happy about it. I understood that, but we had about eighteen million dollars in the bank going into two thousand and nine. And it was really important for us to preserve money. We didn't do a lot of the exploration that we had planned on it because the market had turned sour on us. So going into it, we wanted to do the things that were really valuable. If I could make a dollar into two, I was going to do it. And what we did was we went after water rights and surface rights because dealing with yejitos in Mexico, which are the community landowners, and they own the surface rights, can be difficult. And I can't stress enough uh, to the listeners and to people who get into these stocks. In Mexico, the yejito is absolutely a difficult part often uh, to acquiring the surface rights to your properties. And it's not because they're bad people. It's because often there's a lot of them or the members of the yejito, and getting a consensus can be difficult. So we wanted to get onto that product, uh, into that part of the deal because we knew that once we acquired the land over the deposit, which we've done now, and started acquiring water, then we were home free and a production decision would ultimately be that much easier to make. Speaking of production decisions, how far away do you think you might be? Uh, I know you're not necessarily uh, the company that will produce, although I guess you probably don't want to rule that out either, but what? Uh, how advanced is the San Antonio? And then maybe you can talk about the La Colorado as, as well. In that yeah, regard. sure. Well, San Antonio, as we've drilled now about thirty-five, thirty-six thousand meters, and I think ultimately what we need to do is expand the zone a little bit. There's good targets down there. We're going to be uh, releasing some data on the target uh, and on the target drilling here in the next day or two, and so we're we're pretty excited about uh, about getting that information out there. But um, so there's other areas that we think are going to to add to the core area, which we drilled off a couple of years ago. But uh, with respect to what we would do in the core area, obviously there is some definition drilling that needs to be done. We've identified uh, 
about one point, I think it's 1.3 million ounces in the Los Planas area, uh, Los Planas area. To the south, about you know 800 meters is the Colinas area, and that's an area that's growing, and we think we're going to be drilling more in that area as well. So that area needs some definition drilling and a little more expansion drilling because we know that there are this intermediate zone and there are some drill holes that we think will be um, will be prospective and will be um, successful in the area just based on what we know about the geology. But um, what our big push is going to be this year, apart from you know moving Los Planas Colinas into uh, a better uh, you know a better decidable asset with respect to. Uh, production and what to do next with it is to try to test the three or four zones that we either have on the San Antonio trend, which is the primary gold trend, or the El Triumfo zone, which is a which is a property we bought about two years ago from the Consejo, the Mexican Mining Agency, and this is a property once again that was in production a number of times in its life, and it was a very uh, it was it was mined from a very high grade material, and so we are pretty confident that there's going to be uh, a fair amount of kind of what they call the lower grade, uh, very producible in today's gold environment type material uh, left to to be dealt with. So we're pretty excited to see uh, that project uh, moving towards a drilling project. Gary, how many ounces of gold do you think would be the threshold for reaching a production decision on the San Antonio? And then if you have the same, I'd like to ask the same question with respect to the La Colorado. Well, San Antonio, we've got now about 1.6 million, just about 1.5 million measured indicated. I think it's actually almost 1.7 million now that I think very closely and look at the numbers in front of me. So we are at a decision point now with respect to could it be a profitable mine. We believe that that's a foregone conclusion with what we know. It can be a profitable mine with gold at 1150. The bigger question is not whether or not uh, it's to be produced or not. The bigger questions are the internal studies that need to be done to give us a better handle on what it is we need to do and some of the things that are going to have to take place over the next year to give us the actual economics so we can decide whether it's going to be a heap leach operation to start, would it be a full milling operation. And so it's some of the engineering things that need to be dealt with and the engineering questions that need to be answered. So I would suggest sometime in the next five to six months, now that we're working with a number of engineers, we should come out of there with some kind of a decision, uh, with some type of an idea, or certainly an idea of what it would cost, and then certainly timelines and other things would fall into place, and it, effectively giving it a complete picture from how many ounces a year to costs to type of mining, and these are the things, you know, from how many detectors of surface land we need and how much water we'll need and all these hard decisions that can't be made by geological people uh, because it's an engineering task. Engineering so issue now. we have these engineering people working with us currently and we're pretty excited about uh, the PEA they've started and this uh, process is going to be pretty eye-opening for us because uh, it's our expectation that it's going to be a very robust project. Gary, why do you think people should uh, take a serious look at your company now and buy these shares at, at the current price? What, what's the upside for this company? I know you can't answer that in any scientific. You know, there's, so, there's so many unanswered questions yet, and it takes time to do all those engineering studies to be able to come up with an answer uh, to a lot of these questions. But, but why well, should people? Want I got an answer. There's for a lot of upside that. potential. You have what properties tell, other than those two. You know, too. my best friend, or I would tell even your readership, because you know I know everybody likes to be told that 
this is a good idea, that this is a good company, and that this ultimately gives you the chance to be successful in your investing strategy. So what I tell everybody is simply this. We're in a gold market. There's no question about that. I don't care. How many people want to argue with me? The fact is the trend in gold is up. And like they say, the trend is your friend. So that's number one. But number two is trying to find a company that you can be in that's getting all the things accomplished that turn it into a stronger company quarter by quarter. And I think we've demonstrated that time and time again, that our focus has been to drive the company forward. And this is evidenced by the growth in ounces. It's evidenced by the acquisitions of land, water, and all these fine-tuned um, things that needed to be done to take the company to the next level. And so if you're looking for a company that is going to benefit from this robust um, gold market, these are the things that we're accomplishing and doing that make me it make it very comfortable for me to tell people that we're on a road to success. Okay, thank you, Gary. We're out of time, unfortunately. We could go on for a long time. We'll have you back yeah. again sometime in the not-too-distant future, I'm sure. Keep up the good work. We'll be reporting your progress from time to time on this radio program, folks. I want to tell you that you can take advantage of these special offers for Chen's letter, my letter, Roger Wiegand's letter. Call Claudio Bossi for special trial rates uh, at 718-457-1426. That's 718-457-1426. Uh, next week we'll have another great guest. Actually, uh, G. Edward Griffin will be with us, the creature from a Jekyll Island. He's going to be back to talk to us. In closing, I want to thank our executive uh, producer, Tacey Trump, Ruben Colombe, our operations ma- manager, as well as uh, our my mining engineer um, who's with us. Uh, all these people have made this, pro- this program logistically possible. I want to thank each of you for listening. Until next week with Ed Griffin and other great guests, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now the thing about time is that time isn't